When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley today, and we have a ton of football to talk about. Had an opportunity to see them full practice over the weekend. Those that participated in the coaches' clinic had uh, another opportunity to watch them on the practice field on Thursday. And we feel much better prepared now, uh, one-third of the way into the spring practice, to talk a little bit of Notre Dame football. Tim, um, did you have offense or defense the other day? You had... I had uh, I had defense, but I, we had a few practices this week, so yeah, we of a course. pretty good chance to look at uh, it. I mean, we went from nothing to, to seeing a lot, yeah. to, to seeing a lot, which is in part of this phase of the spring. We actually get a lot more access coming up here after the Easter break. There's going to be a couple more open practices. That's just as important, really. Um, not to totally devalue it, but the, sometimes the blue goal game, you know, you're not going to see the, the top players out there, and this is our chance to see them when ones go against ones uh, defensively. I mentioned on Instant Analysis Saturday, it, it was more of an offensive day. Yeah, no doubt about uh, it. Sometimes the way they, there weren't a lot of running, but there was the, a lot of running involved. No, but the it. offense won the day. I mean, sure. you know, there yes. were a lot, and that's what I wrote in, in my follow-up Sunday, that, you know, all those 50-50 balls that were thrown, you know. The, you can knock them down too, right? You can knock, yeah, you can knock right. them down too, and, so, and you can say, well, the receivers had a great day. But the quarterbacks put them in, put those throws in a position to be caught too, so. It was definitely an offensive day. Um, you know, I think Miles Boykin maybe didn't quite impress us as much as Brian Kelly. You know, Brian Kelly said that there was a huge gap between Miles Boykin and the rest of the receivers. I don't know that we saw that the other day because he dropped a couple passes. And, he's looking at other things than we are, though. Yeah, no, well, yeah, he's looking at the first four practices yeah. in, in total. And, and he's also looking at, you know, he talked about, you know, if they put – if they fill the box, do we have a guy that can take them out of that? And Miles Boykin's been that guy up to this point. And he's he does go up and get it. He's got to have this first question I asked Brian Kelly in the spring: What is Miles Boykin's confidence level after that? I mean, all he has heard about for three months is that, and he's the type of kid he's going to keep working. It's not like it's going to go to his head. Miles no, Boykin a, could not be more level-headed. He's a very kid. bright kid. Now I will say it was interesting to talk to Chip Long, and there's a thread about this on the board about a mystery Brian Kelly and Miles Boykin, and I'm writing about it also. Chip Long told us that Miles Boykin, until this winter, used to get thrown around at the line of scrimmage because he's not strong enough. Now, you look at Miles Boykin in the frame, and you don't think that, but frame isn't everything. He said, what's the big difference? Well, now he doesn't get thrown around. He needed upper body strength. He needed lower body strength, and they used to just get beat up. And you just don't think about those type of things. No, with a big I, didn't, guy. I didn't. I mean, I didn't think of him as skinny or lacking strength. He isn't skinny. It's just yeah, he, well, maybe it functional strength is different at, at the position. Yeah. So that is maybe just one of the improvements where if you're skeptical, if you think this guy that was basically their fourth receiver all the time is now the alpha dog in a way that Brian Kelly separates him from everybody, maybe this is the reason. Yeah, and you love to see, you know, a guy makes a big play in a big game. I mean that that's a big game for Notre Dame winning on January first. <laughs> oh yeah, 1st. that was that was huge. And, and he built he builds upon it. I mean he takes that confidence into January and February and builds the physical base that he needs to be successful on the football field. And I think that's great. Now as far as the other receivers, 
I thought Javon McKinley had a good day. You he, know, said he had a good week, actually. Yeah. He, 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 in the coaches' clinic practices, he was he kept looking up and saying, is that McKinley? And that, that's good to see. I mean, he's more of a, you know, I don't know that he's a down-the-field guy, per se. He's more of an underneath-route possession-type receiver, but he caught the ball really well Saturday. And they may have to, uh, hopefully he forces them to figure something out, because he is behind Boykin now. If you play well enough and you force yeah. your way on the field, that doesn't matter because these positions, they really have gotten to the point where they're inter- interchangeable, it seems to me. And it feels like last year was the first time. They used to always say they have to know all the concepts, the X can play the Z. Yeah. That never happened until last year. You never saw Will Fuller go play on the boundary. It right. was just, now maybe that's because it doesn't make sense for Will Fuller to do that, but it does seem like they're more interchangeable. Uh, you know, we see Chase Claypool everywhere. I'm not sure. Just from kind of talking to some people behind the scenes, that's a good thing that Chase Claypool is everywhere. I think they they want Chase Claypool to focus the way Miles Boykin focuses. And you're not going to hear Brian Kelly say a single thing about Chase Claypool stepping up until he starts focusing when it's not just catching passes in these drills. No, I don't. Did he's you, a dominant force in these drills. So, I mean, he... The ball, when you see him catch the ball, it's just a different world he had from a, the other receivers. No, he had a really good Saturday, and that's a guy that wasn't, he wasn't cleared for full contact, yeah. and later in the practice, we saw him wearing the red mesh jersey over his regular jersey. But he 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 caught a lot of passes. He competed really, really well. Now, I don't know, I wrote about it on Sunday, and I don't know if you saw the little interaction between Brian Kelly and Chase Claypool along the sideline. And it was a throw, I think it was a low throw, and he didn't compete really well for it. And... They had a conversation, and it was part technical. You could see that he was he that Kelly was talking about specific steps and how to turn his body, but it also seemed to include a lot of other things too, which which may give you a little bit of insight into how they're trying to coerce him into being a more consistent, more yeah, a focused football, football player, player. Yeah. A, a complete teammate on and off. I mean, I don't mean teammate. He's a bad teammate. I mean a leader. He's growing into that role now, where you're a junior. There's roles for the taking where you have to you not yeah. just you're not gonna be a captain, but you still have to be able to lead. Well, especially at the receiver positions. I mean, you consider who walked out the door, you need leaders to yeah. step up. And a guy that stepped up in this last practice, and stop us if you heard this before, but Alizé Mack. Holy cow. If as I said, if there was a seven on seven pro league, he should leave for it now and dominate it. Because he in these in this setting, one on one out there on the outside, he was great. He, he, he made was great. He he made your words perfect. He, That's he, what he was. He was great. He had multiple one handed catches with people draped on. Yes, him. Yeah. he was he was fantastic. I was hoping. I even thought during the practice when we were seeing he was having a great practice. Please don't tweet tonight. Don't don't tweet tonight. But he did. You know he had oh, he, a, he had a big he day and he knew he had a big day in front of people. It was just. Coach's clinic, and I don't even know if he knows the media's out there, but it was in uh, front of people, and yeah, maybe there. he does. But it was, no, I mean, let's be serious about it. He had, he had a great day. He was fantastic. He did, so I immediately opened with asking Brian Kelly about Alizé Mack, and he tempered the whole thing by saying it's all as about he, as, as he should, should. As, as any should. coach would. But you're not going to get effusive praise about Mack until it happens in September from Brian Kelly. Yeah. And that is completely an off-the-field, in the locker room, on the practice field, consistency issue. And well, no, it's it's a Saturday issue too for Mac, but I think all that bled into his Saturdays. Well, he talk, I, yeah, he talked about. Let's be honest; the entire season was inconsistent for for Ellis yeah. and Mac last year. Well, he had a good spring day, so he could he really did. Build on that. And I don't know that we we didn't see as much from Cole Komet, but Cole Komet is another guy that he, uh, well, is a guy that he put a lot of praise on. Uh, was that Saturday or was that? Uh, yeah, it was Saturday. It was Saturday. And Chip Long uh, Thursday after practice could not. 
crave more about any human than Cole Smith. Just, so yeah, I think he is the guy who coaches and, loves him. Uh, the day before on Friday, picked up his third save of the, of the year for the Notre Dame baseball team, which you know me and twenty seven other guys follow. So um, <laughs> let's let's jump to the I, let's jump to the quarterback uh, position and. You know, Brandon Wimbush uh, looked... The sigh is... Uh, yeah, no well, <laughs> the sigh is because I know, and I think I talked about this on the last podcast, you know that between now and the start of the season, we're going to be talking about the same things over and over and over and over again. And it's still practice. And, I, you know, I don't know how Ian Book can win the win the position in practice. He can't. I saw you... It, it was in your column or on the message board. You're it right. Was, He's yeah, not going to win Sunday, the yeah. Brandon Wimbush is going to start. And it's up to Brandon Wimbush to start the whole year then. Brandon Wimbush is going to win the starting job. He will start against Michigan, barring an injury that takes him out of the competition to allow he's, not, he's, he's never going to be bad enough in practice. No, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt and start. I think Brian Kelly basically opened his spring address by saying that Brandon Wimbush is the guy. Now there's a competition. But well, he but doesn't that's say it's, it's, not, it's not open. Total open. It's open because if Ian Book is great, he'll pass him. But they don't expect that. They don't expect Ian Book to look like Peyton Manning all of a sudden and Brandon Wimbush to keep regressing. I'm tell- I mean, Brandon Wimbush is set to win this job. It's up to him to keep it after that. And Notre Dame fans, whether you want Book or Wimbush, you better hope he keeps it because he's only losing it because Notre Dame, something goes wrong. Right. That's Yeah, that's correct. I you know, And you can watch them both in practice. And Wimbush... It's just physically more impressive. Yeah. I get that. And look, I'm not... I'm and that's not, not the whole thing. There's Ian Book fans that are pointing out the no, other hey, I, I'm you're, an, you're with them, kind of. A, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly coming out of the bowl game, I, I can understand it. And I... Look, I don't cheer for one player over another in a competition. I, I don't... I just don't have that emotion. I don't feel that way. I want the person that is the best and most well-equipped to win the job. And so... What, but what I don't like is the the mystery that goes with it, all the questions that go with it that we can't answer by observing practices. Right, and I and I don't mean that he is going to be clearly better than Ian Book. It's just he's going in with the lead, and it's going to be relatively close the whole way. And he gets the Brian Kelly said at least three times he has the benefit of the doubt. Well, that's significant. It's, it's important. <laughs> I mean, it's it, I, now Jack has mentioned this before. They do feel the need to prop up Wimbush. And for the first time ever, I noticed when we were all interviewing him, probably 25 questions in the first 23, the first 25, and you pointed out... I finally asked. ...were negative. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, it was, hey, you did do some good things last year. I just felt like every, it was. It every was. question was was about what he did poorly last so year. So for people to watch that video and say, you know, if they didn't like his body language or something else or his attitude, well... People, media members, not coaches, were basically tearing him down for five straight minutes. It. I did too. I thought he handled it well. I did too, but you're going to see Ian Book. No one goes into Ian Book and talks about the things he did wrong last year. Right. Now, there's also, now there's the there's the need, maybe Brian Kelly hasn't done it, but now that he's in the competition, there's a need to pump him up a little bit too, Ian Book. Yeah, I think he pumps himself up. I mean, I, 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 I have the ultimate respect for Ian Book. I think he'd be a good starter and a great backup. So... Look, they've got if a he good, loses the job, he's going to be okay. He will be focused. And yeah, playing. they've they've got a good situation at quarterback. Guys get better. I mean, I I think I think Notre Dame fans should be hoping that Brandon Wimbush gets better. And I we saw a little bit of evidence of it Saturday, but again, you know, we look how many good things we saw of Brandon Wimbush last year on the practice field, and it didn't always carry over into the game. Uh, yeah. By the same token, I always go back to this: they were amazing in the red zone. For most of the year, 
and that starts with the quarterback. Oh, yeah, and he was humble to it. He made a comment. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many other things to watch. I get to run the ball in from two yards away. That's not all that was going on. He made plays yeah. in the red zone. I mean, obviously, more so in the first two months. Anyway, quarterback competition is going to keep being talked it's, about forever. Yeah. And, and it, I've had, and yeah. next year, it, too. It, yeah, well, next yeah, year, too. It will be. Quarterback, <laughs> I've, just, I've been in the business too long. I, I become annoyed by quarterback controversies right. because we don't, we can't come up with the answer to the questions that people have, and I guess that's kind of frustrating to me. Let's let's jump over to the defensive side, and I and I want to I want to bring up the name of one player who um, played like a superstar at the end of last year, carries himself on the practice field now, which is a great sign uh, because Brian Kelly said they didn't a year ago. Now they didn't. I didn't know where he was. I mean, he literally said I didn't know where I didn't even know he was out there. Um, Tavon Coney became uh, or was on the verge of and was becoming a great player at the end of the 2017 season, and he carries himself like a great player on the practice field now. Gives him a chance to be a very, very good defense. Team with Drew Tranquil, who loved him at Rover, but I think the move, it makes sense. He's going to play well at the Buck as well. They they need to fight Rover, of course. But Tavon Coyne gives him a chance to really elevate next year defensively. But he has a chance to do that because, and this is remarkable in a calendar year, that defensive line has depth and ability. One year ago, we were, could not have ripped on a position group more going into and through the spring. Now they were getting murdered by Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey and everything. But right. the defensive ends, they're three deep at strong side. Yeah. They're two deep at drop end. They could get a better pass rush out of these guys, but they're going to play the run well, which is the most important thing in being a consistent defense. And they have a legitimate two deep inside now because Tagovailoa, Amosa, and Heinish. Heinish were thrown into the mix. Yeah, because and they're fine now as backups. Yeah, they, Tillery has a concussion, and so he didn't practice. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. Well, it happened on Tuesday, happened I think Tuesday. Brian Kelly said. It happened said, Tuesday, so. yeah. He, Brian Kelly told us it happened Tuesday, uh, so we can report it now. Uh, <laughs> it was happened, he was missing during the coach's clinic. Yeah. But, um, Tuesday, just first contact of the spring. I mean, I assume if he's back next to, or if he, I assume if he's back tomorrow. Tomorrow. Although if he had a concussion and you get out of there's certainly no he, rush. There's no rush to get him back. No, you get because an break too. So he, I, because then that not only did MTA and Heinish get extra reps, but Yule needs them. Yeah, and um, and Mike do Treadway. Right. That's speaking of things you never thought you'd. I mean, Mike do Treadway is. There was two reasons why I thought I, I hated his high school film, but there were two reasons why I thought he had a chance. One, because he has a, had a great frame coming out of high school, and two, he had really quality athleticism, but had no idea what he was doing on football field. You take those two traits, and you get a good kid that works hard and builds. He's he is a legitimate part of their depth on the interior right he, now. He made a nice play in the space. It was right in front of us when Avery Davis rolled out, broke up that pass. It's hard to jump and break out a quarterback's pass in the flat yeah. the way he did. And two years ago, we're going way back. We saw him make a couple athletic plays in the blue goal game. It's I mean, we're not saying he's a star. We're no, saying no, that he he's, can a, he's a backup. Yes, we absolutely. Wanted to be, we could see him be a contributing backup now. Yeah. Where I was just pipe dreams last year. They would throw in Tiasum and do Treadway at the beginning of the year, and you knew they weren't playing if they played Georgia. It was right. just because they were playing Temple. And, and what's exciting, when you talk about that depth on the defensive line, we know they've got some guys coming in that we liked a lot on film you know, in high school. If you have you have Coney and Tranquil in the middle of the field, you you're going to feel pretty damn good yeah. about how your two inside linebackers are going to tackle. People probably wonder about the Tillery Bonner starting unit because 
Hillary impressed last year, but I don't. I think people maybe underrate Bonner, or the coaches like him more than fans do. Talking to Mike Elston, because he's moving to nose tackle, and Tillery's moving to defensive tackle. Now, the Tillery move alone makes a lot of sense. It's perfect for him. Yes. The nose tackle move for Bonner, I'm sure people wonder if he can anchor in there. Mike Elston said he is perfect for that role because he's a technician and he uses his hands perfectly. So that is interesting to hear from a defensive line coach who has brought up a lot of guys to a new level we didn't think possible right, in a calendar right. year. So I'm interested to see, well, or anxious to see him in there. You, you know I love the term self-awareness and how important that term is to an athlete. For example, Malik Zaire said <laughs> that he feels he's the best player at his position in the draft. That's a lack of self-awareness. Jonathan Bonner asked, I mean, he, he was totally open to moving to the nose tackle position. He doesn't have to... He doesn't have to crease as many gaps. He doesn't have to cover as much space. It plays to his strength. Elston said he uses his hands really, really well. So his uh, backup is Heinish for people wondering, and MTA is behind Tillery. That's the right. technical setup. Right, with Mike Dutreadway at three technique. Yes. And, and Ewell. And Ewell the at, the, at the third nose. And Ewell did make a play. We he, both saw it yeah, Saturday. And he dated after getting in a skirmish, which makes you wonder if he could just kind of channel that energy a little more. Obviously, he's got to be in way <laughs> better shape. Way better shape. Yeah. And he is in actually in way better shape. He is in better shape than last year. Because last year, we saw him for the first time at Culver. And we looked at each other and said, What, is, what, what in the world did we see on high school film? Right. He couldn't get off the practice field. You have to switch fields at Culver after stretching. Yeah. That's what it was last year. It was I've never seen anything like it. He's I, not like that now. But he, is in, he needs to he come still, up to the level of the rest of the line. He still has a long yeah. way to go. And Elston is... Not cutting him any slack whatsoever, and and that's good. Look, that's a big, talented body. He crashed through and made a play, and it's because of the play before he got in a skirmish. And I wrote it down. The I I kept watching because I wanted to see he had nothing left. But when you make that play, you have the ability to make that play. (laughs) Totally blew up the play. Yeah, three yards deep. So that is get a little of that in November, and that or a little bit of that in October, November, and that can help you. If not, but I wouldn't give up on. People are wondering about Ewell next year. I can't imagine it. 2018? No. Yes, 2018. No, it's, this, it's we're not. looking at 2019. Right, but that's okay, least, I think. Um, last thing before we uh, go to the second segment, go to break and then go to the second segment. I want to talk about the safety position um, because there was a play in, where Tranquil and, I don't know if you saw this, but Tranquil and Alohi Gilman kind of worked in tandem, and they both kind of recognized a receiver the play was going right, and then they both recognized the receiver flowing left. And it it, it was almost like, it, I mean, the image I have in my head was they, they both realized how they were supposed to defend it. Tranquil took under, Gilman took over, and I don't think the quarterback even threw the ball. The play just ended because they bracketed the receiver so well. And that my point is that Lohi Gilman doesn't, I mean, you, you look out there, and he's not the fastest guy. He's probably not the strongest guy, but there are instincts to the game that he has, and we know that Tranquil does too. And, and I think ultimately Gilman's going to be on the field a lot, if not start next year. And then in terms of just physical ability, Jordan Jemark Heath is, is the best athlete back there, I think. I would agree with you there. I think Jalen Elliott is still a good athlete. It's just being able to figure out what to do. Uh, but Jen well, Mark Heath is the bigger frame. But you saw LSA, you saw that too, LSA Mack flat run away from Jalen Elliott. That was surprising how easily he did it to me. I always thought of Elliott as faster. He caught a, to make it a visual, he caught a crossing route and 
Elliot was a yard behind him, and Elliot was two yards behind him 50 yards later. Yeah. So that was that wasn't, I guess, that was pretty that, impressive. That was, that but, was a good speed by Mac. You know, and I and I we always warn after a practice any kind of reports that we write and that we watch and we write. You know, don't read too much into what we're saying because it's just one glimpse of practice. It doesn't mean that this is etched in stone. But Gilman's going to win a job. He, Gilman's going to win. He's going to win a job, and Brian Pullian loves Alohi. Alohi, I keep saying Alohi. Alohi Gilman. Brandon Wimbush, single out. I pulled Wimbush aside. He was gracious enough to give me one answer because I covered defense. I didn't want to know about the receivers. Yeah, yeah. He said Alohi's going to help us. Yeah. He's the guy. And Brian Kelly's been high on him. He, he is going to win a job, and the reason is what you mentioned. He knows what he's doing. He allows him just, to play. Fast. He's a fo- he's a football player. Put him at some point. There's going to be a buck. Tranquil, Julian Love in the corner, and Gilman be the safety right there. I mean, that's there, there's not going to be a bust there. Right, you're going to feel a, good about that's a good that. Setup. Devin Studstill was working with the first team. They were rotating guys. He still has trouble in space. He still can't make tackles in space. Right. He, I don't think he'll win the job. I can't imagine. I think they're rotating. I mean, Nick Watkins was the first team over Love, so there are they're they're trying to what they're doing is they're trying to get Studstill some reps to see. Right. If you can help. We him. haven't even talked about Coleman. Coleman was the, the most consistent of the two safeties that played all the time last yeah, year. He was second team during the week and he was rotated down with the third team yesterday but or Saturday, but you know what that often means? He's fighting through a calf injury and he doesn't want to yeah. take, they don't have him take as many reps. There's right. so many reasons why guys aren't rotating in as much and it's got nothing to do with all of a sudden Nick Coleman being the sixth safety. That didn't that didn't happen in two days. No. No. All right, we've got other positions, other positions to talk about, and questions from our readers coming up in segment two. Welcome back to segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question is from Football Guy Twelve. What have you seen so far from Jeff Quinn and the new offensive line? It was nice to see Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson back on campus. I just kind of wish they had stayed. McGlinchey yeah. would be breaking laws. McGlinchey, <laughs> uh, yeah, we saw McGlinchey Saturday. He he looked good. He yeah. he could. I wanted to go up to him and say, "Son, I hear you have an interest in playing football at Notre Dame. Would you like to?" He uh, no, he looks great. But you were talking you, to him four years ago and saying, "I called my parents because I'm over 300 pounds, and it's the most I can't believe I'm over 300 pounds." Yeah. It just looks like he weighs 400. It's gonna pounds be now. yeah, no, yeah. It's gonna be a while before he's under 300 pounds again. But uh, Jeff Quinn, uh, you certainly can hear him out there. He's a ball coach. You know, he. Uh, I think on the uh, on the message board, I say he's kind of a bull in a china shop kind of guy. You know, I mean, he's just a ball coach. He makes a lot of noise out there. Uh, he, incur- according to the players, encourages them more than Harry Heastan did. Um, but you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm the proof the proof comes in September with the offensive line. But uh, uh, he's getting after it, and and I he certainly brings a ton of enthusiasm to the field. And as far as the you know, the pecking order there along the offensive line. We had an opportunity to see Liam Eichenberg get a little bit of action with the first unit at right tackle, but Tommy Kramer's been there. Alex Barr's at right guard. I think Sam Mustafer looks fantastic. I mean, really, really big and in shape and quick and effective, and I think that he's really primed for one heck of a final season at Notre Dame. And then uh, at left guard, uh, uh, I keep wanting to say Jeff Ruland, if you remember Jeff oh, yeah. Ruland from Iona, the basketball player, but Trevor Ruland. Great mustache. Yeah, oh yeah, but Trevor Ruland is, you know, I got, you give Trevor Ruland a lot of credit because he's not as he's not as physically imposing as the guys that he's lining up with there. He's 295, Brian Kelly said, which by today's standards is, is awfully light for a guard. 
and he'll he'll have he'll probably be well over three hundred pounds by by the fall. But he's doing a good job. He's a technician, and he knows what he's what he's doing over there. And Hainsey, you know, I saw a couple couple instances where Hainsey had to square up on a pass rusher, and he is just so good technically. And it made so much sense for him to move to the left side. He's a perfect fit there. Good sign or bad sign if Rulo wins that job, in your mind? Over Josh Lug? Kind of a bad sign if you're if if the coaches are, you know, Samson's reported that the coaches told him that, or, I mean, it's been said that, uh, you know, he has superstar potential. Um, I, I guess a little disappointed that he wouldn't be ready to not emerge that he would, right not now. Not that Rule wouldn't do a good job, but it's just that no. he seems like the guy, a better swing guy because he's the backup center too, no matter what. Right, just right. But, it, but interestingly, you know, I and I questioned Brian Kelly about the other day, you know, because they rotated the tackles last fall, and he said they they want to you know lug they want lug to play at left guard as well. They want Eichenberg to play at tackle. I've often wondered, you know, I realize that. Like quarterback, for example, it's difficult to rotate guys. Uh, but Harry Heastan generally yeah, like we found that out. For yeah, sure, I mean, it just it, it just rarely rarely works. Uh, but Harry Heastan went ahead and did it at right tackle last year, and I, I, you know, I've often wondered why they can't do that more often with offensive linemen. I think it's a good idea. I realize that you're trying to get a flow and trying to get chemistry with an offensive line. It's hugely important because it's five guys trying to work as one. But it just seems to me that there are instances over the course of the season and in a game where, you know, why can't you slip in a backup right tackle or backup left guard? There's two instances where you wouldn't want it. One, <coughs> you're center. You don't want to rotate center. I get that. Number two, when you have guys as good as Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, Ronnie Stanley, you're that. not rotating with Robert Hainsey. However, right. when you do have a veteran like Ruland, who, well, it's just fair to say that he hasn't started a game yet, so he's a senior, he hasn't started a game yet, and a redshirt freshman that's pushing him, there's probably a talent gap, but there's also an experience gap. That's the ideal time to be able to rotate. And I think I think you'll see it. I think you'll see well, some more rotation. You would hope Tommy Kramer doesn't need to rotate at all anymore, though. Yeah, but... We both think he should play guard, but we can't say that every <laughs> podcast. I got it in, okay? <laughs> but that's... If he's a guard, he's not rotating, right? Well, that's what my yeah but meant. Yeah, okay. That's that's what I was going to say. Well, that yeah. would be a bad side if he has to rotate yes. back like as a junior. I want to... Um, Alex Bars, I mean, we all love the kid. He's such a good, he's such a good kid, and, and you know, he's a hardworking kid. His heart's in the right place. I would just like to, and maybe because I think a lot of this is just the images that Quentin Nelson has embedded in our minds, blowing people up. Well, even McGlinchey and Stanley, that they, they oh yeah, Watt and Martin. Oh sure, I mean, they sure. really, it's, it's been going on for a while. I'm still waiting to see a clip of Alex Bars kicking somebody's ass. And I just don't think that we see that often enough. And he's, I'm, I met him, um, and I and I knew his dad from his playing days in the early '80s at Notre Dame. And I met Alex Bars at the Rivals event in uh, Soldier Field before his uh, senior year, and I, I was just struck by. It. And then that's when I said, Alex Bars is a guard. He's just too wide. He's just too wide to be a, a tackle, but he's as tall as he is. He's he's a legitimate six foot six. He is a large guy. He's not physically cut like Quentin Nelson was, but he's a big, large, strong guy. And I just like to see him have some more dominant moments, especially a guy that now has twenty seven starts under his belt. Comment. I agree. I mean, I I I think Mustafer looks like the best offensive lineman, and 
I, maybe a year and a half ago, I would have thought Barr certainly would have looked like the best offensive yeah. lineman at this point. So I, yeah. I would agree with you on that. Mustard looks really good in there. Um, I don't want to put too much on two padded practices with Barr's, but I guess you're, you're, obviously yeah. you're including last year. You know, and I, I, I expect improvement through. Yeah, I do, I do too. And I like I like the fact that he said, yeah, I want to be named captain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it disappointed me. I, th- I think that's good. He, he's never been in a position where he had to be a leader. How, how can you be... Unless, yeah, unless your name really was Nelson be. or McGlinchey, right. you're not, you know. I mean, I think Mustafer is a, a leader by action. I don't think that he's going to be he's an well outspoken. Res- super well respected. Absolutely. He's, along with the reasons like Tranquil is. But. Yeah, very, very bright, very introspective. A guy that you know is going to give you his best effort every time out. And I'm not saying Bars doesn't do that. I'm just, I just like You the, think you want Bars to be great because you kind of expected him to be great four years ago. At this no, no, no. Four years no. ago, at this point, I did not. As a senior. No, because the, the the to be completely honest, which I always am about these kind of things, coming out of Chicago, I was not as high on him, having seen him up close as I as I was seeing him on film, and I felt like he was a guard at that time. That proved to be correct. Um, I think I'm mildly surprised, and I shouldn't be because I speak BK. But four years ago, Brian Kelly said that he's the best. Offensive line prospect yeah, in 20 years. Yeah, I don't. I never, so I that never agreed. Was with, too much. Yeah, that was too much, and never thought that it was really close. And to it was that. ironic in that he had the best offensive line prospect on his team at the same position in 25 years of coaching. So maybe it was, maybe all that was just a. I don't think you need to motivate Quentin Nelson, but uh, it was an interesting coming on yeah, bars when, you, when you had the guy that was right there. Yeah, that is yeah. his best. All right, a uh, question from Subway Man. What's your reaction to the news that Alabama and Notre Dame are working on a home-and-away series? I would be all in favor of playing Alabama every year home-and-away once Nick Saban retires. <laughs> and I, I think it's great. I, look, don't stick it in a year. Now, this is like the late 2020s if you read the Alabama reports on this. So I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of it all the time unless it's suicide of throwing it in the same year you bring on Ohio State or something like that. And you happen to roll with Florida State, the ACC, and then you have right. USC and Stanford. Right. So clearly some years it would... Just not work out great. But what do you want to watch if you're a college football fan? As Pete says, it's supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be fun, right? Notre Dame, Alabama, home and home for Notre Dame fans. Traveling Notre Dame fans, South Bend Notre Dame fans, people that go to one game a year, people that go to one game every five years. Even with Nick Saban there, that would be great. That's college football is playing that team. What, they're going to stop you from winning the national title? I think Pittsburgh and Navy have done that in the last couple of years too. So let's just figure out. <laughs> no, that's a good. That's that's a good point. I mean, it's it's Notre Dame's lack of prowess that's their impediment. Not, right. Now, I don't I don't mean you should play Alabama in September after Michigan and Georgia or something yeah. like that, but you can find a way. And I don't think you should move the game to New York. <laughs> so you can play Alabama in Atlanta or something along those lines. Well, but unless home, it was, home with these two, unless Alabama wants to move their home game. Yeah, if Alabama wants to move their home game right. to Soldier Field, that's fine. Can, yeah, but. I can't imagine something more fun than having Alabama come up here, especially out the way Alabama is now. Now, it would be great if Alabama wins another national title at some point, Nick Saban retires, and they come to play Notre Dame the next year. That's fine. <laughs> because, you know, better chance for a victory. But, it's look, I, don't in, you want in, them to come up here in November? Let's see if Alabama wants to come to well, South Bend in November. True. That's true. In defense of those fans that don't want to see it, they still have the image of the 2012 National Championship game. And they know... Like right now, if Notre Dame matched up against Alabama, a motivated, healthy, playing well Alabama team. Yeah, but I would have loved to have seen Notre Dame play Alabama last October. The way Notre Dame was playing football, right? It's different than... 
I know they I know, you know, we'll always have the USC game 49-14, but did you watch that Notre Dame team and, and think I don't want to play Alabama? Yeah, right and now? NC State. Coming out yeah. of USC NC State, it's like, wow, this is this team's legit. And Alabama had to come up here and play in yeah, that weather. That's true. It'd be fine. I don't no, want, you I, don't want I, to play Alabama in a well you do because it's a playoff game, but that's when it's hard. No, if you play look, if you play Alabama ten years from now, chances are they're not going to be I mean, can they can they be dominant for another decade? No, it's it's like ridiculous. Like I mean, that. that just that just doesn't happen in college football. But they're dominating to the level where I think we 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 didn't we, never seen in, in this day and age. You right. didn't expect one team to other than Leahy's Notre Dame teams, and there weren't as many teams right. trying these things out right. back then. But this is ridiculous. Uh, but I think it's great if Notre Dame can play Alabama in a home and home because that's what college well, football is to me. Obviously, there's some truth to it, and so it almost undoubtedly will happen. Do you want to play Vanderbilt instead? Then we're just not going to talk sports. Fine. <laughs> uh, question from Stormy ND. I, for one, was a huge Josh Adams fan. What have you guys seen from Williams, Jones, and the young guys at the position? Well, um, the, the players have this uh, terrible habit, terrible from the standpoint of the media, that only gets to watch a few practices of rolling their jerseys up. And so when they roll them up, a lot of times you don't, what number is that? You can't tell who it is. When it's the running backs and the ball is in the hand of a guy with a jersey rolled up and he, he gets the football and darts through the, the, the defense, you know it's Dexter Williams because he is the fastest skill yes. skill position player on the team, right? Yes. I mean... He's a lay, and it's, and it's one step fast. That's the difference yeah. between him and... No. He, he gets where he's going. He looks race. really good, and there was a great sign the other day where he came out of the backfield and, and caught a pass upfield... And I actually heard Chip Long say "nice route," which is pro- I think is probably progress for, yes. for Dexter Williams. I think De- Dexter Williams was kind of the, the highlight of one of the practices this week. Was one of the corners, Nick Watkins, took his helmet off during a drill. I think their drill was over. His wife's helmet came off. He was taking a break, and Dexter said, "Get your helmet back on." Watkins, of course, shot back at him. You know, why don't you work on your own drill? Then they talked back and forth for the better part of ten minutes. And Dick Watkins had the last word with the classic, I'm not worried about you, you only know two routes, which was just <laughs> the greatest line. <laughs> but Dexter Williams has looked really good. Uh, Dexter Williams turns the corner, Nick Watkins better wonder, he's not getting them <laughs> one-on-ones. Hate to break no. It no. Watkins won the day with that line, but I want to break the future encounter to him what's going to happen. Dexter Williams, if they can't get Dexter Williams to play, I know some of it's on him. Because he doesn't know the didn't know supposedly didn't know the playbook, which I don't understand. I don't know the playbook. Just study the playbook. Yeah, I don't don't get that. And people have always talked about pass blocking issues. He certainly has. That's that part of that is knowing the playbook, knowing who to block. You can square up a guy when you know who to block. Well, anybody that's ever coached, it's your it's there. It's his job. It's Autry Denson's job to to yes, it is. Now, I'm sure there are circumstances beyond Autry Denson's control and the coaching staff's control. I get that. I bet Dexter Williams is the type of. Great athlete that has Josh Adams in front of him and doesn't think he has to lead and know everything. Right. Where that's not the case at all. You but, have to know those things. But he does. And he looks really good. Tony Jones Jr. now wearing number six. Uh, have you ever seen... Oh, maybe he decided to take that new number. Anyway, he's wearing number six. I you say, have you ever seen a guy wearing number six? Or no, no. Because <laughs> Jameer Smith, a freshman, comes yeah. in and takes his number. But it was probably because Tony Jones 
Moved to number six. I don't think I, I don't. Maybe you saw something stand out with Tony Jones the other day. And no, not, not, but not it wasn't really. a run heavy practice either. He's no yeah. right, and it's a lot of these practices. Sometimes it's like it's like a camp. It's difficult for running backs to really show what they can do. But I thought Jameer Smith looked the part. Uh, he was certainly involved in the the mix of plays, so that tells you that he's got an understanding of the playbook, maybe better than Dexter Williams. At, at this point, I don't know, but. Uh, Oh, he no, looks the part. Point, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he he looks the part. I don't I don't think that he looks like a early entry freshman out there whereas uh Jack Lamb does and uh, Ovio oh, Gu- yeah. Gufo does. Um, Houston Griffith doesn't. Houston Griffith looks the part. He probably should have made this podcast a, more actually. He I mean, he's not going to breach that too deep because they yeah. have good, solid veteran corners, but he looks the part of a future player out there. Yeah, and, and he, he, will ma- be he makes plays. He'll he makes plays. Teams. Yeah, oh, absolutely. He makes plays. He 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 does not, you wouldn't say, oh, that's a freshman out there or right. early entry, entry freshman out there. Whereas, you know, Jack Lamb's just physically, he's he's got a long frame, and, and so physically he's not quite there yet. Bo Bauer... Uh, looks the part. I unfortunately didn't look enough for him the other day. He will, but well, he wasn't. It's not your fault because they were yeah, rotating. He wasn't the, right. He wasn't involved in. The, they know, were rotating the third string linebackers no. in. I don't know what that is. Uh, you would think can, this would be the time. Maybe just. Can you imagine how difficult though it would be for an early entry linebacker to be able to go out there eleven and run on the eleven? Day? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Even yeah. Se- even seven on seven. That that would be extremely difficult to do. That's a good well, we should, we no, just talked to Clark Lee, but we should ask, ask yeah. him about that. He'll give us a good answer too, because he's gives great answers to questions. That's refreshing. Clark Lee. He's, yeah, he yeah. really does. He is a now, now that dude gives answers to questions on a level that we're not generally accustomed yeah. to. I, we're gonna we're Very gonna enjoy introspective yeah. and thoughtful. We're we're gonna we're gonna get ticked <laughs> off every time it's like okay, we get him twice a year. Uh because he's really good. I did Jafar Armstrong looks like a running back. The one on one drills? He who do you, Vaughn? Yeah, Dante Vaughn? He lit up Dante Vaughn. He he to put all right. It's, they're they're five yards apart. One gets the ball, the other attacks, and there's it looks probably a little. There were a couple fake outs, so there's got to be about nine, eight, nine yards of space. Maybe it's tough. It's tough. It, the advantage offense. Let's it's, just put it, it is that an way. a slight advantage offense though, and this turned into this was just a bulldozer. He literally depleted him. And then he just kept running. I mean, he hit him and just ran him over. He followed through with it. That was a shot. So Jafar Armstrong has some natural strength, speed, and talent. I want to see how they use Jafar Armstrong because there's a spot. Yeah, because when they came out and ran uh, tempo to start the practice, he was running at receiver. And they've been doing that. It's They pull a tight end out of the tempo. Well, because they don't have, they don't have yeah, they because don't Komet and Mack were working with the Once. first unit, they didn't, and Brock Wright is coming back from injury, so they don't have a scholarship tight end to run with the second unit. Ar- Armstrong, a great guy to ask about at the end of spring, because Brian Kelly will have a real body of work. It's not just an experiment. Right. Uh, right. We should before, because he's not going to be one of these questions. Also in the one-on-one, Michael Young. Care to describe yeah. that, that move on Nick Watkins? Uh, wow. I I mean, there's a there's a you say he whiffed. It was way worse than a whiff. Yeah. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> uh, the whole crowd. Now there's a crowd because it's coaches' clinics. So the media, coaches, and every player at the same time. <gasps> oh, <laughs> it was just. It was. I was a. It was kind of a double move, I guess. Right. It was it, a stutter was, yeah. and a double move, and it was nasty. And I like you and I both have liked Michael Young. I think we both had him rated pretty highly coming out of yes. high school. I know you liked him coming out of Culver last year, and he's a player, man. He's a player, and. You know, I, I've talked about this before in a podcast. The, the the touchdown they scored against LSU in the Citrus Bowl, you know, 
A, Brandon Wimbush doesn't roll to his left and make that play. And B, most young receivers do not find that gap in the back of the end zone. He found it. And that's a big reason why, you know, Miles Boykin gets credit for the game-winning play while Michael Young made the play to set up the game-winning play. Also, in the one-on-one drills, no one ever puts a hand on Chris Fink. We should point that out. So it is advantage offense. Have you seen a guy tackle Chris Fink yet? In that drill, in you that mean? that drill. I think Crawford might have angled him out of bounds. Yeah, that's a good point. He just goes by you. He had a pretty good day. He, he had a couple really, really nice catches. He had a drop. But, you know, when we say a guy had a drop, they threw... There were two to three hundred passes. Yes, it was a very passive practice. <laughs> it was just a, a bad drop. That's why we brought it up. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. It hit me in the chest. Yeah. Uh, where are we at? Irish? Tex-Mex Irish? Okay. Will this finally be the year that Alizé Mack lives up to the expectations, or will the fans be let down again? I don't know. I don't know either, but he's good in practice. You should see him. I, you know, all we can... <laughs> he's going to make some plays. You know, because, like, okay, so he stinks in the fall. That doesn't mean our report from Saturday was wrong. No. He, he was absolutely tremendous on Saturday. Like he took the ball away from Watkins, Griffith, Love, Bertita, Elliot. Not all on one play. These Gilman. Are <laughs> yeah, yeah, Elliot, Gilman. These are all different ones. He just beat all these people. He did. He had a 50-yard run against Jalen Elliott. I mean, I you know it's and he kept it, flexing. It's a it's a maturity issue, right? I mean, it's a he, he's he's got to be able to he's got to be able to deal with failure. He's got to be able to deal with success. Do you notice he doesn't give the ball up after the catch either? I did. He holds that. it all the way back. Really? And a couple of defensive guys are trying to take it from him, and he kept holding on the ball. It was I don't know what's going on, but I mean, I you know he the kid the, the, like that, the kid's a great talent, and you hope for him that he can he can put it all together and. Come to grips with whatever prevents him from being a consistent football player. I all you need to know is Brian Kelly will not praise him because he wants the exact same thing you fans want Alizé Mack to do yeah. on Saturdays. What he does in these drills that he's the most impressive guy going up and getting the ball. And I don't know why he couldn't do it on Saturdays because that seems like hey, let's say Alizé Mack blows an assignment, misses a block, does something else dumb. He had millions of chances to go up and get a ball. Not really. he had a dozen chances to go up and get a ball. And he didn't get any of them. Yeah, because they, he kept playing. Yeah. He he had an opportunity to keep playing despite the mistakes. Yes. Imagine imagine Notre Dame's offense with the Alizé Mack in it that we saw this past Saturday. I mean, you want, he'll make Brandon Wimbush look a hell of a lot better. <laughs> yeah, he'll make any quarterback look a lot better if he plays like that. But we can't I, we can't answer that question. That's um, that's for Alizé Mack to answer. Quite frankly, um, Irish eleven thirty seven. Who, in your opinion, will be the more dominant unit during the season, offense or defense? I'm gonna steal your line. I'd like one of them to dominate. I, if you can, if way, you give just, me one of them yeah. to be dominant, and the other one to be good, that'd be good. Uh, I like. I think the defense will be a very will be a sound unit, a more consistent unit next year, and that goes back to the quarterback play, and it goes back to losing the two best offensive linemen on your team that were absolute yeah. difference makers. And it, go, fine and it goes line, to the that's not the same thing, right? It's impossible to have a better offensive line than they had last year, and that offensive line wasn't great in a couple losses. Yeah, no, it's impossible. I think a lot of I'm going to say defense too, and I think a lot of it goes to there's just this general confidence in Clark Lee as a defensive quarter. In addition to ten starters coming back, yeah, I don't and think depth with depth. it, and a, and a deep and a deep defense. I don't, and I don't think you're going to see a bad bad safety play this year. Bad. I don't think you'll see bad safety play this year. 
You would look on film last year and go, that was a Jalen Elliott bust. And so why do you that feel, was a Nick Coleman so, not making a so play. Why do you feel that they won't? The, right, well, give, I, give me a name. Well, Gilman. Yeah, that's one. Will solidify one position. They have talent behind whoever it is out of the Elliott, Coleman, I mean Derek Allen coming up. I don't, he doesn't have night in September. We've talked about this before. Derek Jen Allen's Mark not Heath. starting. And Jen Markeith. I don't see that. I single somebody out. I don't see Studsill winning the job. Um, but the, the te- I think they'll get one of those guys to play at the level. And then Gilman, th- Gilman will be sound. I don't see Elliott winning the job either. Elliot or Sudstill, who would you see win the job? Well, definitely Elliot because yeah, he yeah. started all last year. That's a good but, point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I mean, I assume well, that, that right I now that you're that, saying either Coleman—it's either Coleman, Elliot, or Sudstill—to open the season because Derek Allen is too hard to come in and learn a safety-driven defense, quote unquote, and start. Right. I in- right now I would say it, it's it's down to Coleman, Gilman, or Jim Mark Heath. I'm just putting Gilman in as one of them. Okay, well then I think through, it comes through down August to those, win the and I think it comes down to those other two. Okay. I keep leaving up Jen Now that's don't I? you yeah. know that's pretty foolish to say because Elliott started all last year, and I mean obviously he did something to, to start, but Gilman wasn't eligible, and Jen Markeith was a freshman just learning how to play right. college safety. And we got to note that Jen Markeith might have gotten banged up. Oh yeah, uh, uh, we'll, we'll just check it out uh, after pre- we'll ask after. Practice on Tuesday yeah, and Thursday. I, whenever we have yeah. a defensive coach, it's the time. Uh, we don't get to see practice. To, we get to see Thursday. But, yeah, we can ask Tuesday whether he actually practiced or not. What else do we, we have? We ten? both say defense, right? Solid, What's that? Solid, yeah, solid. no doubt about it. I don't it. think dominant, though. I just think a couple sound units. Um, Jack, did we we didn't talk about when we're coming back for our next podcast, next did we? Monday. Oh, it is next Monday. So Easter Monday around the nation, Dingus Day around South Bend. Yeah, yeah uh, we'll come back. Yeah, to let's day. yeah let's do that early in the day because I'm definitely dingusing. Do people know people across the country probably don't? don't. They know, they know in Buffalo there's Dingus Day in Buffalo, which I found out when Notre Dame played the NCAA tournament. I should cancel the sausages and beer. Dingus Day is a uh, Polish yeah. holiday, Polish tradition. The I day know, after people Easter, know this, but I'm not Polish, so there's a. Uh, but you do like beer. Yeah. I do like beer. <laughs> I'm going actually leaving after the uh, podcast for a little spring break in. Uh, about 45 minutes away. <laughs> Summer house we normally go to. Oh, available. Well, good for we're, you. Going in the, we're going in the spring. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's all we have. That's that's, uh, that's all we have. We'll be back uh, a week from today. April 2nd. April 2nd. We will have uh, a little bit of practice observation, but everybody have a great Easter. And uh, we'll talk to you a week from today. Mm-hmm.